To be honest, when I feel myself on the brink of feeling annoyed or mad, I tend to push my feelings towards sadness instead, because I would much rather feel sad than angry. Is that a good thing? I'm not sure. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of To Be Honest. I'm your host Amy. And I'm Grace. And it's back to another normal episode, guys. It's been great while while it lasted. <laughs> yeah, Amy and I were actually talking about doing a lot more guest episodes, so stay tuned for that. But also, yeah. this is the first episode of a new series. We're starting an emotion series, which mm-hmm. in basically we're going to explore a few different emotions and we're starting with sadness. Yeah, what better emotion than sadness? <laughs> we were like, sadness or happiness? Nah, sadness. Sadness. <laughs> sadness. <laughs> okay, so we want to start off by talking a little bit about, like, general thoughts about sadness, and then just, like, mm-hmm. the Google definitions of them, you know? And then yeah. dip a little bit into the psychology and why we feel sad. Okay, so... It says, while sadness is often considered a negative emotion, it serves an important role in signaling a need to receive help or comfort. And that's from mm-hmm. Paul Ekman, who seems to be like a leading psychologist in emotions. Mm-hmm. And then that's like kind of exactly what Inside Out was talking about, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like one of the most important things about sadness is in the, in the end was that Riley had to be able to feel sadness to let other people know that that's how she was feeling inside. Exactly. And I think that was actually a very important message that they sent through that film. And Mm -hmm. I very much like Inside Out. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Yeah. And then I also dipped a little bit into like evolutionary psychology because I feel like that's a really interesting branch of things because um, I was telling Grace about this earlier, but I feel like with a lot of psychological theories, it's it seems really unreliable. Like when I read a lot of them, I just think, uh, okay, man, but it doesn't really <laughs> seem to have that much value to it because a lot of it is based on interpretation and just like someone's outlook on life. It, feel, it seems more like philosophy than actual psychological science type of stuff, you know? So that's why evolutionary psychology was interesting because it actually provides more of a scientific explanation on why humans behave the way they do and like why they feel emotions and everything. So I was reading this site and then it was saying that based on the ideas in evolutionary psychology, every emotion should serve a survival purpose, otherwise it wouldn't exist. However, like I thought that that was a little iffy, it made me feel kind of skeptical because as I went down, it like, okay, first of all, they were using their own research and then they wrote the article themselves. So of course that's going to seem a little weird if they don't have any other um research that they reference in that yes <laughs> and also they use the evolutionary psychology thing as an introduction but they don't they don't actually talk about it that much i don't think like they just talk about their actual research itself and then how they tested it and like they did the thing where they show the participants photos that can be interpreted different ways and then do the <laughs> random question stuff which i never really understood <laughs> but yeah i like i like the idea behind it however um I feel like the meat of the article was kind of lacking, but I did like the introduction where it was saying that here, evolution must have had something else in mind though, or else sadness wouldn't still be with us. Being sad from time to time serves some kind of purpose in helping our species to survive. Yet while other so-called negative emotions like fear, anger, and disgust seem clearly adaptive, preparing our species for flight, fight, or avoidance respectively, the evolutionary benefits of sadness have been harder to understand until recently that is and then they go into their research which i think doesn't really prove that point but that did raise an interesting question because obviously a lot of those negative emotions do have really clear evolutionary benefits but sadness is kind of like 
a loner. I don't really get why it's there. What benefit does it serve? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was interesting because when Amy was like, I don't know, maybe I'm a little bit skeptical on this. I was also like, so basically from an evolutionary student point of view, from what I've learned about natural selection, I'm a little bit skeptical too. Just because when I was learning about it, my teachers stressed that evolution is random. Like random things happen and they stay because they're useful but that doesn't mean that everything has a purpose sometimes things just happen for a random reason and it just stays because there's no harm and so maybe that's what sadness is it feels strange to say that sadness must have sadness must have a survival purpose otherwise it wouldn't exist but at the same time i don't know because like from a personal belief standpoint i am of the opinion that things serve a purpose in life and like everything kind of has a reason. So Mm -hmm. I can kind of see it from both perspectives, but just like solely from a student point of view, from what I've learned from um, evolution and from natural selection, I am slightly skeptical, but then at the same time, I very much know that I don't know enough about this to Mm -hmm. probably like go against this article because I'm sure that the people who wrote the article and who are studying it know a lot more about it than I do. Yeah, I agree. And then I'm going to be honest, I didn't read the article super, super thoroughly. So maybe I'm not giving them (laughs) the credit they deserve, but I did scan through it and I was not super impressed, but who knows? You can check it out. It'll be linked in the description, like everything else we reference in here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then that also raised some interesting questions because I've heard some theories that Mm -hmm. sadness became more present in this generation, which I'm actually not that sure about because people in the past like in the 1500s and 1700s all those artists definitely felt sadness as well and then like that deep despair but (laughs) i have heard some theories that sadness has become more pronounced in like student populations and then the internet and social media has negative effects on our mental health allegedly so Mm -hmm. yeah i've heard some theories that like it's just all those different changes that the internet and technology has brought and then our minds just haven't become accustomed to it yet however like sadness is definitely a very fundamental human trait like i don't think that's anything that's particularly recent because and i don't think it was caused by the internet obviously yeah definitely not yeah but that (laughs) is a theory that i wanted to mention yeah that sounds really interesting and adding on to what you were saying like i agree with you sadness is definitely not a new thing but i think that technology and social media definitely do pose new challenges because mm-hmm. now we're suddenly exposed to all these people who live their supposedly perfect lives like i know instagram has gotten a lot of criticism for having a lot of people just post their filtered selves on there and so mm-hmm. you get exposed to so many perfect versions of people's lives and it's really easy to compare yourself and obviously that's really bad for your mental health but mm-hmm. also i think that sadness is just much more of a discussion and topic now. People aren't as afraid to talk about it, whereas I think maybe in the past there was more of a stigma around it. And I think maybe our generation is kind of working to break that stigma, talking about mental health and stuff, which I think is really, really great. Um, But Mm. I think that that might also lead us to be called this um, quote-unquote sad generation. (laughs) Oh, are we, if are we getting known as the sad generation? I'm not sure. I feel like, just like, I imagine that older generations might look down on us and be like, they've got nothing to complain about, but they're always, like, uh. so sad. <laughs> okay, I don't know, like, do we have things to complain about? Because, obviously, like, I don't have to worry about the well-being of my family. I ha- don't have to worry about, like, uh, world wars. 
well, yeah. I don't have to worry about like super violent wars, you know, and getting bombed mm-hmm. every night. And yeah, I don't have to really worry privileged. that much about my safety and everything. Yeah. So mm-hmm. in like in that sense, we live much better lives and then we have much better living conditions than the people before us. But is that where sadness came from in the first place? Like, was it that difficulty with the living conditions and all those challenges that brought upon sadness? An interesting discussion that I was having with my dad was kind of the idea that um, every time you overcome a challenge, new challenges will appear. Like, new challenges yeah, yeah. that you hadn't thought of before. Yeah. And so, um, I know that Amy and I have had this conversation before, but, like, we think that it's important not to invalidate anyone's feelings. Like, your feelings are definitely valid, and if you're feeling mm-hmm. sad, then that's definitely valid. And also, just speaking off of my own experiences, obviously, like Amy said, I'm super privileged that I don't really have to worry about, you know, basic survival needs. But mm-hmm. when I was in kind of school survival mode and super stress mode, I didn't actually feel as sad as kind of like the feeling of listlessness and sadness that comes after that, you know? Because mm. when I'm in um, survival mode, I'm kind of just in tunnel vision mode and just like get through the next day kind of vibes. So I don't know how much that applies to the real world and actually struggling to survive or to put food on the table. But just coming from my personal experiences and like kind of extrapolating from that, I feel like a lot of the time when you're in survival mode, you're kind of just in tunnel vision and there isn't as much time to feel sad. Yeah. That's why like I had this other theory kind of too, where people in the past didn't struggle with mental health as much or feelings of sadness as much because they were struggling with just surviving. So they didn't, they didn't yeah. have time to get into these contemplative moods and start worrying about their life's direction. They were just trying to get to the next day, which I do think there's a certain truth to. And then I remember like I had this thought in the past where I was looking at some people I knew in my life who didn't contemplate life as much as I did. And then Obviously, like, my overthinking has led to some problems and making my life more (laughs) difficult than it needs to be. But then also, like, I didn't want to give that up either because I felt like it was something that was important to me. So, I don't know. I feel like at the same time, it's also important to recognize not to get too comfortable in your sadness or not to value it too much because Mm -hmm. those prolonged periods or, like, more severe periods of sadness where you're unable to get yourself out can obviously lead to more complicated issues like depression so yeah i think it's important to remain conscious of that and then like i don't know be sad in moderation (laughs) yeah (laughs) if you can everything in moderation yeah everything in moderation i feel like that's one of the life motos mottos that we're pursuing on here yeah (laughs) yeah and otherwise i just wanted to mention some other common causes of sadness not depression which is something like not getting something you wanted or not meeting your expectations or getting rejected by something or difficulties in personal relationships and as mentioned kind of existential issues <laughs> yes so that leads me into the more personal questions i guess so mm-hmm. i want to ask like what is your relationship with sadness like are you the type of person who hates it and tries to avoid it at all costs or do you kind of like sadness okay so the funny thing is that it might to be honest i was like To avoid feeling angry or annoyed, I tend to try and push myself into feeling sad instead. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, especially before this year, I did not like sadness at all. Like, I was the kind of person who would try and avoid it at all costs. Mm -hmm. Probably because the persona that I put out into the world is kind of like a happy person and like kind of like an escapism-y kind of person, an idealist. And 
I just didn't really want to bring that negativity or what I perceived to be negativity onto the world. I was very much in the mind of like looking at the world through rose-colored glasses and just like being in a kind of happy mm-hmm. bubble. And so I feel like almost I reached a point where I was like kind of like robot Grace, where mm-hmm. I just only wanted to show the happy stuff. And also, one of the main ways of dealing with sadness, like, one of the best ways is talking to people about it. Yeah. And if we take um, the beginning section of what we said in the podcast, that kind of being sad is kind of like a way of asking for help or seeking help. If we take mm-hmm. that into account, then asking for help and seeking help is obviously, like, asking and seeking help from your friends or, like, from professionals or just, like, talking to someone about stuff. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was very much, like, not being vulnerable with any of my friends or family. And I actually had this kind of sad talk with my mom where at one point she was kind of like, I feel like I don't really know you anymore, Grace, because you kind of just, like, I'm not sure if you don't trust me or, like, I'm not sure if you're just not comfortable talking about things with me. And, like, I want you to know that I'm here for you if you want to talk about stuff. And so that kind of, like, made me realize that life is about everything and the people who really care about you want to hear about all the parts of your life journey including like the sad parts and the struggles that you have and you're gonna get through it together and you can grow through it together and so I think that's kind of like the evolution of my relationship with sadness I think I've kind of reached a point where I'm like I don't hate it and I realize that it's a part of life and obviously that doesn't necessarily mean that I enjoy feeling sad but I feel like it has its benefits, and it also really puts life into perspective. And mm-hmm. I think that it's important to take life as a whole and, like, what we've been preaching, balance everything in moderation. Yeah. Um, you can't avoid one thing. Like, you can't just cut one thing. And such an important thing, because sadness is one of the quote-unquote core emotions, according to our research. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't just, like, completely cut that out of your life and still live a really whole life, I guess. Like, you would be missing out on a lot of experiences if you just cut sadness out of your life. Yeah. And then there's, like, another interpretation down here that's, like, mm-hmm oh, we can't selectively numb our pain without numbing joy. It's like, you you either have none or you have them both. Yeah, exactly. Because I think um, I've heard a lot that humans are very subjective. Mm -hmm. And so that basically means that if we have sadness, we have joy to compare it with and to contrast it with. But then if we never have sadness, then joy just feels like a normal emotion. Like that becomes a regular emotion. And then it no longer feels like the high of feeling happy and of feeling joy. Yeah. And then, okay, back to like the whole vulnerability thing. I I mean, obviously that's a really big part of our lives now because <laughs> one of the main reasons we started the podcast or, and one of the main reasons like we love the podcast is because mm-hmm. it's an opportunity for us to be vulnerable and kind of encourage vulnerability between people and encourage people to like seek more genuine connection with others. And then, yeah, yeah I definitely understand what your mother was saying as well because I, I've known you for a really long time and then I feel very close to you and then we have a lot of like good happy memories together, but especially mm-hmm. as you get older and start, like, I don't know, getting into the contemplative mood more, then, yes. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's hard to feel like you truly know someone unless they've shared something more negative with you and then just opened up to you and um, shared, like, a different side of themselves that you haven't seen before. That's how you, like, establish more of those mutual feelings of trust between the two of you, I think. So, yeah, yeah I definitely agree with there's a lot of value in expressing your sadness to others, so definitely don't shy away from that. 
But also, at the same time, like, it's also really commendable to want to be a positive person and to put out positive energy. Because I know Grace is a very kind person, and she always just wants the best for the others around her. So, and then, like, one of the... Okay, this is getting a little morbid, but when people die, like, one of the praises that I hear sung a lot is that they always, like, brighten the room. Like, they always brought really positive energy despite all the challenges they were going through. They always made sure to put the best version of themselves out there for everyone else. And then that's a beautiful quality to have. So definitely don't stop doing that either. But also just, like, don't, um, don't hold in your emotions for the sake of others if it's not benefiting you as well. Mm-hmm. Nod. And then also, like, just, like, from time to time, just... Uh, be vulnerable with others (laughs) yeah and I have to say that like Amy has been very very inspiring to my whole vulnerability journey because she's so vulnerable like she's not afraid of showing some sides of her that aren't the super polished sides and the sides that like everyone has because like everyone has bad days but she isn't afraid to let people see that and she isn't afraid to be the real her and I find that like really authentic and really inspiring and it's kind of funny how when we started the podcast Um, I didn't necessarily think that vulnerability was one of the main things that I'd get out of it, but it definitely has been something Mm -hmm. that I've gotten out of it, like something really big. And so thank you, you guys, for listening to our struggles and being with us through thick and through thin, through the highs and the lows. Yeah. (laughs) And, okay, this is a little tangenty, but I think the roots of, like, my whole vulnerability theme came from, remember that, con- like, we had an episode about confidence once, and we were talking about, like, yeah. self-consciousness, I think, and then in the cases where you do mess up, um, like, a good reaction or a reaction I tend to have now is you just, like, laugh it off and make a joke about it, mm-hmm. and then just, like, be honest with, oh, no, I messed up, ha, 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 Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> that's a terrible laugh. But I think that's, like, kind of where it came from. Because I think I just got to a point where I was sick of trying to put out a more perfect version of myself out there. And I was sick of, like, having to uphold, like... Reputation. Yeah, a reputation. And then just feeling, like, self-conscious all the time. And just feeling like I wasn't living up to the person I was supposed to be. So then that's where I really got to the point. And then I had the privilege of having some really good connections with some really good people. And then just, like, never having a reason to distrust or to feel unsafe putting myself out there so yeah yeah I think that's definitely been the root of where I got this whole sling from Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think that's really amazing thank you and I guess now that we've kind of talked about my journey with vulnerability and your journey with vulnerability let's like backtrack a little bit and I've actually been very curious and I want to ask you Amy what's your relationship with sadness Mm because I know that everyone kind of has different relationship with different emotions and i'm interested to hear it yeah i would say contrary to you i have (laughs) i have embraced sadness i don't know why i've definitely in the past i've definitely swung a little bit too hard onto the angsty sad teen side yeah and then i don't know why like Sometimes I just kind of liked feeling sad just to feel some sort of emotion. And I know I'm not alone in this. I have seen enough random Tumblr posts and posts from my friends that, like, this sentiment (laughs) is relatively common within our circle. Um, And then, like, especially in quarantine, I think I saw this a lot, where a lot of people would just spend some nights being sad, being dedicated to their sad boy hours, just to, like, kind of break the monotony, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and then that brings me to the thing, um, teen slang, we probably know this already, all the listeners probably know this already, but, like, I wanted to define sad boy hours, 
So, <laughs> the Urban Dictionary version. Our trusty source. Yeah, our favorite. Is sad boy hours is a time where sad boys are emotional and can express their feelings with other present sad boys. While the official time for sad boy hours is 1 a.m. to 4.59 a.m., any time can be sad boy hours if you try hard enough. <laughs> I just love that phrase. I was reading it to the notes and I was like, oh my gosh, it's perfect. Yeah, we love Urban Dictionary. Um, yeah, um, I have a very great sad boy hours playlist on my Spotify, or at least mm-hmm. I like it a lot. <laughs> and then- I can attest it's very great. Yeah, and sad boy hours are, yes, typically late at night, and then I think it's just when you start getting more contemplative and stop living off, like, the euphoria of life or whatever, or you get off your distractions, because I think this typically hit me after I had a really late night of gaming or really early morning of gaming, and then you just, like, get off, and then you sit for a while, and you're just like, what have I been doing with my life, and then that just spirals. Yes. And then also, like, especially if you're on call with people on Discord and in Slate at night, then all of you guys are just, like, get into existential crises and you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, late night talks are honestly the best. I haven't had too many, but, like, the Grace ones has that a very I healthy sleep had. schedule. <laughs> well, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> but I'm trying to get back on track. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know why I've been having trouble with, like, falling asleep. Mm, and, like, too, my honestly. skin has not been great. Oh, that's not good. And so that has also contributed to my falling asleep issues. But we're trying to get back on track. <laughs> but anyways, um, late night talks are kind of like when you're feeling slightly loopy and then you don't care as much about your reputation or about consequences, I guess. Or, like, you kind of develop thicker skin almost. Like, you don't feel as self-conscious about It's like you're drunk. <laughs> that, that's literally drunk what with- like what being drunk is like. <laughs> Drunk with not having enough sleep. (laughs) But, yeah, and I feel like really interesting conversations always come up with it. And like Amy said, you get really contemplative, and you just have really deep talks. Yeah. Because everyone's really honest. Yeah. But, like, okay, that goes to say that sadness isn't necessarily a negative emotion, or it's definitely not been an emotion that I've tried to actively get rid of in my life. Like, I don't know why. I've always kind of enjoyed feeling sad from time to time. Of course, never for too long of a period and never, like, severe bouts of sadness. Um, but, like, those kind of, like, lack of happiness mo- moments are kind of nice as well. Yeah, they definitely are. The thing with sadness is it depends on... Or, okay, I think your relationship with sadness will be affected on your mentality towards life. And, yeah. like, your opinion on whether like how much you want to control sadness or if you should control your sadness because i have experience i have seen some like a couple of different perspectives on this issue like i have a friend who told me about having whatever days and then just letting yourself feel whatever emotions that your body feels and accepting it and then it's just like if you have a sad day then don't feel bad about having a sad day it's just a sad day accept it and and then like move on and then um, you can, like, continue to live your life and do the things you want to do, even if you're feeling these emotions, kind of. Um, but then also, stoicism. That's been something that's been popping up a lot in my podcasts and my Instagram feeds and just, like, conversations. I mean, that's, like, a philosophy of life that talks about, like, that focuses on maximizing positive emotions and reducing negative emotion, um, and helps individuals hone their virtues of character. I don't really understand that last part yet, because I haven't actually done that much research into this, so um, take everything with a grain of salt. But (laughs) that seems to focus more on 
being more in control of your emotions, like having self-control, kind of adopting this more indifferent viewpoint of life, just allowing events that happen in your life and any negative events, any potentially negative events that happen in your life, and just like accepting those and not allowing those events to make you feel any type of negative emotion and just moving on with it. Um, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm, definitely. I think one of the pros of that might be if you label a day as a sad day or if you let yourself get really down in your sadness, like obviously different people have different strategies for dealing with sadness. Mm -hmm. And I totally support just like letting yourself feel sad for a while and letting it all out and then being like, okay, new start. But I think the thing that kind of gets me sometimes with sadness is that when I have a sad day, I'm like, oh, this day is just bad. Like my emotions negatively affect the rest of my day. Whereas Mm -hmm. if I kind of like let myself be sad and then pick myself up off the floor and like kind of get back into the it's okay everything's gonna be okay like I'm gonna try it life again it's gonna be like the rest of the day can be a good day still um Mm -hmm. if I kind of have more of that mentality I feel like it has less of a snowball effect on like making the rest of my day bad too so I see the pros and cons of both sides because I think at least for me it's definitely important to let yourself feel sad for a while like my emotions are valid, talk to someone, um, journal a little bit, like let yourself feel that sadness for a while, but then also to kind of pick yourself up and be like, okay, let's continue on with the rest of my day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good take on it because I also <laughs> don't really agree with any of these in their full extent either because I've definitely experienced letting myself feel a little too sad <laughs> and, <laughs> and just like letting myself wallow in self-pity and then it's proven time and time again not to be a very good strategy to deal with sadness but then again i i like my negative emotions from time to time i don't want to get rid of them so i can't really find myself hopping onto this stoic boat um Mm -hmm. full-heartedly either even though it seems to be um a philosophy that's picking up in popularity so yeah it's something that i might want to look into because who Mm -hmm. knows maybe i'm interpreting it wrong (laughs) if anyone knows a lot about stoicism or like that's a big interest of yours please reach out and let us know because we need to be educated yeah but I feel like adding on to that just like kind of how so many people like everyone has a different viewpoint on life and everyone kind of has different strategies that work for them on getting over sadness or like dealing with sadness sometimes I feel like everyone also kind of feels sadness a little differently Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how true this is. This is just a hypothesis. But, Amy, I'm wondering, like, how would you describe the kind of sadness that you feel? And do you think that there are different, quote-unquote, types of sadness? Okay, see, I think it kind of depends on what's causing the sadness. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about last year, where I was just, like, sad about my grades the whole time, <laughs> and I'm just, like, feeling overwhelmed from school, then I would describe it by feeling overwhelmed, by having like poor stress coping mechanisms by having by like not being able to deal with negative emotions and then just like this ongoing battle with myself where i was confused on my identity and who i wanted to be and then i feel like there's kind of this disparity between like my expectations and then the um where i was actually performing so i think that it was just like a collection of negative emotions and like external pressure that made me feel like i wasn't living to my expect living up to my expectations and then like this ongoing disappointment towards myself that led to this like grade 11 sadness but Mm -hmm. then again like 
Um, earlier on in the episode, I also mentioned that sadness can be caused by difficulties in personal relationships. And then I feel like those are typically the situations where you get a little more dramatic. And mm-hmm. I haven't had many issues with my friends. Um, but like sometimes I have argued a little bit with family and then mm-hmm. that usually, I don't know, usually that's just like, that's caused by um, a difference in views between me and my parents, and then oftentimes my parents are right, but then, you know, when you're a teenager, you're kind of just like, I'm right, Yeah. <laughs> and then when you don't get taken seriously, then you just get angry about that, which is very valid, um, but yeah, definitely, like, my, my peak of angsty moments of, like, I don't know, the one time I ever shouted, um, out of, like, emotion was during an argument with my parents, like, obviously, I'm not gonna shout over my grades or anything like that, so I think that's also kind of a different type of sadness or a different type of negative emotion there. And then also yeah. just, like, I've also mentioned on this podcast there have been some situations where I haven't been, like, super proud about how I handled some things with friends, and then that's led to, like, some falling outs and stuff. And then I have lost, like, someone who... I have lost um, someone as a friend. Not, not They didn't die, but, like, <laughs> there were some issues, and then we just weren't as close anymore. And then it's also just, like... Um, uh getting further away from a lot of people i used to be really close with and then that's also sadness but i feel like that's more of like a internal quiet sadness you know it's it's less dramatic yeah but it's something yeah. that you just think about it when you go to bed sometimes or when you're showering and it just like it passes by your mind and you're just like oh yeah for sure yeah. i can relate with a lot of what you said like i think the sadness that mostly i had last year too was also I think it mainly stemmed with, like, not meeting these expectations that I had of myself and just feeling worried that I had peaked early and, like, never appreciated it. Mm -hmm. And it was, like, I think I just felt very overwhelmed. And also, this was not good, but, like, I think that I bottled up my feelings a lot and, like, everything just added up. And my, I described it to my dad a few times and, honestly, it just felt like there was... Like, imagine a glass of water that fills up and just overflows, but, Mm -hmm. like, I was constantly near overflowing, and so the smallest thing would just, like, overwhelm me, and so then I would just, like, break down. And I don't know, there was, I don't know if this was, like, a medical thing, but, like, a lot of the time I just felt this heavy pressure on my chest, and it was just, like, I was drowning, and it was very, Mm -hmm. it was, I think, just very overwhelming, that's how I would describe it. But Mm -hmm. I also agree with what Amy was saying a lot, that there are a lot of different types of sadness that we feel, and that depends on what kind of situation we're in. And I was actually reading, um, and Amy was reading about this too, but we found that emotions can be mixed, and it's really hard to feel kind of like a pure emotion, Mm -hmm. because I know, like, we all know that there are a lot of synonyms in the English language, but there aren't any real exact synonyms, like two words that mean the exact same thing. Yeah. And so grief or sadness can be mixed with like anger or fear or joy and when I first read joy I was like huh (laughs) but like (laughs) it can be for example reminiscing about a time spent with a loved one that you no longer spend time with anymore or like a lost like a lost thing that you no longer have anymore and it's kind Mm -hmm. of like that bittersweet feeling and with anger it's kind of like regret remorse um, angst almost, Mm -hmm. fear, 
I think this straw would be a good one. But all that to say, there are a lot of different combinations. Mm-hmm. And I thought that it was really interesting because Amy also found something. Yeah, Um, I was also looking at a website. I think it was a very well mind. <laughs> and <then laughs> there was this tiny section about, um, it says that there's this psychologist called Robert Pluchik. Mm-hmm. who put forth a wheel of emotions that worked something like the color wheel and okay see this is one of those psychological theories that are a lot more like an interpretation it's a lot more like philosophy or almost arty um but like when they express it this way it does make a lot of sense and it helps me make sense out of my life and out of like um it helps me find a different it helps me like view my emotions with this different perspective and more objective perspective as well so anyways he says emotions can be combined to form different feelings much like colors can be mixed to create other shades and i thought that was really cool analogy and Mm -hmm. um for example they gave the example they gave was emotions like joy and trust can be combined to create love and then that was really interesting because like love has always felt like this really abstract concept but then when you think of it as just like a collection of all these other emotions then it becomes something that's much more concrete and something that actually Mm -hmm. makes a lot more sense because there has been a lot of there have been some disagreements on what love is actually like i don't know if i agree with this theory because i feel like love is its own distinct feeling like it definitely all the other emotions are definitely important to love like i don't think love can exist without them love should exist with all those other like joy and trust but however i feel like love is its own distinct emotion like Mm. physically it made me think of this one taylor swift lyrics um this is in you're in love but it goes like and now you understand why they lost their minds and fought the wars and why i've spent my whole life trying to put it into words and wow. it's just like I feel like this happens a lot with love where we're dancing around this concept trying to put a label on it and trying to say exactly what it is but like it is a very abstract concept like Amy says and I think it almost means something different to different people mm-hmm. and I feel like that'd be a really interesting emotion to explore maybe in a future episode love (laughs) speaking of love when a loved one is going through sadness i feel like that can be a very hard thing to watch Mm -hmm. because obviously you care about someone but then at the same time it's kind of like almost an honor that they're showing that side of you like Mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of the time you grow closer as people if a friend comes to you when they're going through something tough or when they're feeling sad. Mm -hmm. And so I know that Amy and I have talked quite a bit about, like, how we should comfort a friend when they're going through a tough time. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the main pitfalls, I guess, that a lot of people talk about now is that, like, I don't need you to fix me, you know? You don't need Mm -hmm. to fix my problem. I just want you to listen and, like, to be there for me. And I think that's a really, really important point And after looking at a couple of different websites and just, like, going off of um, some of my own experiences, I think that one of the main things is just, like, checking in with the person, asking them if they're okay, and just letting them know that you're there for them. Um, Make sure they know that they can talk to you if they need to, or if they want to kind of take their mind off things, invite them to go do something fun. Or just kind of, like, show that you understand where they're coming from and make sure that they know their emotions are valid. Because especially um, the kind of propaganda society thing where they're like, sadness is a negative emotion. It makes us kind of feel like we can't feel sad and that maybe our sadness isn't valid, especially when people are like, oh, these people have it so much tougher. Why am I feeling sad? But, like, everyone's emotions are valid. And I think that's really important to let 
um, people know, especially when they're feeling sad. I think it's a lot easier to devalidate your own experiences and your own feelings. Mm-hmm. And I think part of how you can do that maybe is if you maybe share similar experiences. Obviously, don't make it about you, but just like normalize that what they're feeling is okay. And of course, if needed, like professional help is always an option and very much encouraged um, mm-hmm. therapy. <laughs> and just, of course, like just like that hope that this sadness can be overcome and that they're so much stronger than it. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I like a lot of that advice you gave out because I know this was something that I was becoming more conscious of as of recently um, because, like, I am close with a lot of people and there have been situations where, like, someone's saying something, like, someone's ranting to me and then using, like, as an emotional outlet and, of course, like, I I love doing that but also sometimes it's kind of stressful because you don't know what to say and then if they're really going something through something tough you're just like oh and I have definitely fallen in that pitfall of trying to fix the motion and offering more advice rather than comfort but then now like I know that that might not be the best thing we can do for them however like there was this exercise or this random phrase that was going around on if someone comes to you for help or emotional support a lot of a good question to ask is like oh how do you want me to support you because a lot of people do want advice and a lot of people Mm -hmm. um don't want to be told like these cliches and these comforting stories or whatever and sometimes Mm -hmm. like they just want you i don't know maybe they want like physical assurance or something who knows (laughs) yeah yeah hugs like honestly one of the things i do is offer them a hug well covid has mm-hmm. been making that a little difficult but that was something yeah. i used to do a lot um yeah yeah i'm really glad you brought that up mm-hmm. and also the thing about not making the experience about you is something i have experienced personally as well um both on on both ends because <laughs> <laughs> i definitely experience sometimes where i've been ranting and someone just turns into their problem and i'm just like excuse me i was here first um <laughs> and then also some situations where like it came out of a good place you know i was trying to help but if it was something that was like actually personal to me, I just ended up talking about myself and I was like, oops, afterwards. <laughs> so sorry to whoever I might have been that with too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Anything I've... else you wanted to say? Nope. <laughs> okay, sounds good. And while looking for some of the things that you should keep in mind when comforting someone, I also stumbled across some tips for dealing with sadness yourself. And this comes from the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And they basically said that core emotions like sadness um, need validation and they need to flow. So if you push your emotions down or try and bottle them up, the energy that they hold can get blocked and then that can later on hurt us, which puts a lot of stress on our mind and body and causes a bunch of symptoms that are very bad. And they said that in order to let emotions flow, we need to feel safe enough to experience them. Mm-hmm. So, for example, learning what to expect when experiencing an emotion can make it a lot more manageable and less scary. And I think, like, we've talked about this before, but society tells us certain emotions are negative emotions, like toxic masculinity, and just, like, all of those things that are telling us that we should not really share these negative emotions but like I think that it's important to feel comfortable talking about it with someone else Mm because that's a really important factor and then it also helps make those emotions bearable it helps bring you guys closer and also a lot of your friends and a lot of my friends have a lot of really helpful advice and just a lot of really kind things to say so Mm -hmm. I find that 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 always Mm -hmm. helps me Mm -hmm. I agree 
um and it's like i don't want to be a negative person and i feel like i have become okay in my like journey to find connection with people because that's something that's Mm -hmm. important to me i feel like i sometimes fall in this trap where i talk too much about my struggles and share a little bit like too much about the negative stuff so i think it's important to find a good balance between your friends because of course like talk about the happy stuff talk about the lighthearted stuff talk about like things that are stressing you out and talk about like the things that i don't know the like deep rooted struggles that you guys are going through and the challenges you're overcoming in your life but yeah yeah then again it's like it's not it's important that you're not just talking about one thing the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. with your close friends. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think your conversations definitely establish the kind of relationship that you have. Mm-hmm. And while, of course, um, talking about some of the struggles that you're facing will bring you guys closer together, and it will help you know all the different aspects of your friends, um, I think that maybe sometimes too much negativity in a relationship may lend itself to being like that's kind of all the relationship is it's just where you go to each other and rant yeah and depending on what kind of relationship you're looking for that might not be the best kind of relationship to have if you have a lot of negative flow in there Mm -hmm. so I think just like balance (laughs) I know we've been saying this a lot but I feel like it's a very important part of my life right now, and it's something that I'm really actively working on and have been working on for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. And, of course, take it day by day or even, like, minute by minute and ask yourself what you need for comfort. Give yourself permission for it. And most importantly, treat your own sadness the same way that you would treat others that you love and care about. Because I think a lot of the times people put their all in for other people, but they don't do the same for themselves. Yeah. And I might be a bit of a hypocrite here, but I'm working on it. And I think it's really important to take time for yourself and to treat yourself the way that you would treat a good friend because Mm -hmm. you're with yourself for the rest of your life. Yeah. And while I think it's important that you're able to hold yourself accountable in like a way that a friend might not for you, it's, it's very common for a lot of people to indulge a little bit too much into the like negative self-talk and just mm-hmm. letting all the all their like past disappointments eat them up and just like let it affect them negatively in a way that'll hinder their progress so yeah, yeah. so be kind to yourself and understand you don't deserve to suffer all the time and then, yeah you're not inherently a failure or anything like that you're just going through something yeah. difficult mm-hmm. and what doesn't kill you makes you stronger <laughs> oh, <woo. laughs> and then This is something we've been talking about throughout the episode, but of course, there are a lot of benefits to sadness. While happiness is typically used as a measure of your quality of life or how good of a life you're living, I think sadness is also really good at helping you slow down and making you really think about your life and your feelings and the people around you. Because when you're living off of that happiness, you're kind of just stuck in this living in the present, which is, of course, like a good thing, right? But also, it's not good because you're not able to have these moments of reflection and take time to reevaluate where your life is going and what things you do like and what things you don't like and what changes you want to make to your life Hmm, yeah and i'm like i think we've talked about this before in the podcast but the periods of sadness and not happiness have Hmm. often been that moment of clarity for me and then it's really helped me center myself and be able to process all the emotions and things i've been through same and i think sadness kind of just puts everything into perspective and i think it also almost makes you more grateful for what you do have because sometimes It's easy to take things for granted when you're kind of just living on the high of life, like Amy was saying, when you're really living in the present. But sadness 
is almost kind of a shock sometimes that changes your worldview. And then it also puts in perspective um, what happiness feels like and how great that feeling of happiness is. And of course, sadness is just a part of living. And it's a really strong emotion. And like we see it a lot in art and music and it inspires some amazing creative work. And of course, sadness can also help you relate to and help others in the future. So it's okay to feel sad. Everyone feels sad. That's right. <laughs> and I feel like we've been exploring this topic for quite a bit now, but I think the reoccurring theme in this episode is kind of that everyone has different ways of dealing with sadness or different feelings of sadness or different viewpoints on life that influence how they perceive sadness. And we're only two people, so we would love to hear from you if you have any feedback on the episode, anything that you'd like to add. Please don't hesitate to send us a DM via Instagram. We are at ToBeHonestPod. Yep, make sure to reach out. And thank you so much for your support. And if you want to hop on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and share this episode with whoever you think might be interested, please feel free to do so. And it would be greatly appreciated. Yep. And without we'll further ado, we'll see you next week. 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 <laughs>